0: Welcome to Chinuch Today. I am your host, Rabbi Yerachmiel Garfield. Please join me as we highlight innovative ideas and inspiring people from the world of Chinuch. Hello and welcome to another episode of Chinuch Today podcast. This is Yerachmiel Garfield and today we are going to explore something that's relevant way outside of the field of Chinuch. But this organization recognizes that like all many great ideas and behaviors in life, the earlier that we get to children to educate and inculcate these values in them, the odds are higher that as adults they will live productive lives in that area. The organization is called Mesila. Mesila is an organization based in Arts Israel but now has English operations, which helps people with such a critical and vital aspect of Jewish living in the modern day. And that is financial management, financial responsibility, and financial literacy. Mesila, as you will find out, was actually started as a Gemach. But when they realized that the Gemach kept having repeat customers that were in the same position and the same challenges, they realized it's time to do something differently. And from that, they began a journey, starting with education of individuals, coaching, and then ultimately, a curriculum that's used in high schools primarily and junior high as well and their goal is to give people the information the simple literacy to understand how finances work how budgets work and why it's so important to be thoughtful about our spending or else it could end up becoming a huge burden and in the world that we live in we all know about the tremendous challenge and the burden that finances are for a modern Jewish family, and therefore Masila's role is so important as well. Without further ado, here's Rabbi Ads. Welcome to another episode of Chinuch today. Once again, we have a visitor all the way from Eretz Yisrael, Rabbi Ads. Rabbi Ads, we're so happy that you're joining us. You are the director of English operations of an organization called Masila. Where in Eretz Yisrael do you live? I live in Matbeth Shemesh. Oh, well, that's a shock! An English speaker in might Be Shemesh—awesome! But you didn't grow up there, so tell us how you got from where you grew up to where you are now.
1: Okay, so um, we moved to Israel about two and a half years ago. I joined Masila already in the UK. As a sighting, I was very involved in Rabonis. I was a rob in the uh, in in London for uh, many years, the United Synagogue. And I was very involved in the financial aspects of uh, Rabonis and helping the Rabonim. And I was on the uh, rabbinic committee. And through that, I got uh, got to know Mesilla. I actually brought the chairman of Mesilla to speak at my shul and then got many years back. And uh, really was taken by what they do. And I trained as a coach, a financial coach wow. for Mesilla.
0: Okay, wow. We got right into Mesilla. But I want to go back a little into Rabbi Ad's life. So you, you okay. were bo- born and bred in London? Born and bred in London, yeah. Did you learn in any uh, specific yeshivas that you'd want to share in Eretz Yisrael or in London? or? I
1: learned, yeah, so I learned, I'm uh, from a Chabad background, so I learned in, I uh, was brought up in Chabad, born and bred from birth. Awesome. Um, and, yeah, and uh, and uh, so I learned in uh, Yelbav yeshiva in London and in Manchester and Eretz Yisrael. Uh, okay. So went around a bit. When you were a rav in London, that was of a Chabad shul, or no, no, United you know, Synagogue, which is modern Orthodox in the U.K., which is different from modern orthodox in America, right. but uh, it's uh, yeah. Is that yeah? Is it's that... a sister organization of the author of, of I would say you know the OU. OU.
0: Yeah. Is that abnormal for a Chabad shliach or a Chabad?
1: No. No. No, there was a point when I first went into Rabbonis, um, and it was that was in the 1990s, there was about a third or well, up to a third of the Rabbanim working for the modern orthodox organizations were Chabad. Were Chabad.
0: That's fascinating. Yeah. Do you have a simple explanation as to why that was the case?
1: Yeah, very simple explanation. A lot of those shuls were out in the sticks, and the only guys that were willing to go there were Chabad guys. <laughs> Got
0: it. I actually have an aunt and uncle who live in a similar situation. I believe their rabbi is Chabad. So that explains that. So were you in the stick, so to speak, of London? I wasn't. Uh,
1: no, actually, I wasn't so much. I was in the thick of it um in mm-hmm. London, very much in, in central London. One of my first shows was as assistant rabbi in uh, St. John's Wood. Which was the chief rabbi's area as well? I mean, it doesn't get my. Hair. It's one of the flagship tools. And I was in Southampton. I was in, I was for six years in in Birmingham in the UK, which is in the central, uh, the Midlands, central uh, England, and that's considered to be sort of out of town. Uh, and I learned to know. So I went, uh, moved to Birmingham for six years, and then moved back down to London, Dang. to South Hampstead, which is yeah, central London.
0: And so, as you mentioned, you got to know Masila because Masila, as we'll learn, is about finance, finances and helping people with financial management. And in the Ruv as a Rav, it sounds like that's something that you were involved in. And I'm curious about, was it that you decided to move to Eretz Yisrael and then you look for something to do? Like, how did the move to Eretz Yisrael come
1: about? Yeah, that's So the move to Aishishul came about really because of Corona. The whole landscape changed. I was part of a, uh, a team um, of three within the shul that I was. And they, you know, when every circumstance changed, so they weren't uh, able to hold, not able, they said financially didn't make sense. And they didn't know how long this is going to continue. So they didn't need three robotim anymore because the in-person stuff stopped. So there wasn't as much need. Right. Uh, and uh, various other things. And so uh, I decided once they were they said uh, no longer, then we moved out to show.
0: Unbelievable. You're one of during the, corona. So it was
1: yeah. quite incredible. Right. For me. It
0: was a horrible curse.
1: But for... yeah, I feel very guilty. I for me it worked very, very well because I continued working for the I was working at the time as he, I was head of community development for the United Synagogue. United Synagogue yes. has Has sixty-five schools in uh, in London and a number outside of London. Uh, Talking about a significant organisation. So I was head of community development, and I was working. I could have been in Timbuktu. It didn't matter. Everybody was remote, so I continued to work for them for a year and to coach for Masila on the side remotely for a year. Um, And that that for me was a big. uh, It worked well. Unbelievable.
0: Beautiful. Okay, so now let's get to Masila. So can you tell us a little for those who don't know what Masila is? Um, and then we 'll talk about how it started and everything, but just basically like in just a few sentences,
1: what is Mesila? okay, so Mesila is an organization that helps families say help family with families with their finances and um, has a financial literacy curriculum in high schools. And what we do is we really empower families to reach financial serenity that that 's our motto that 's what we that 's our vision that 's what that 's what we do I love that word um, serenity. Correct. Now, that's very carefully chosen. Mm-hmm. It's very carefully chosen, um, and it's, uh, it was you know, as we come through and we talk through, we'll understand more. That's very yeah.
0: How did Masila start? Do you know the history of the organization?
1: Uh, mis- yeah. So Masila started about 25 years ago as a loan consolidation gamach by mm-hmm. our chairman, together with somebody else, a chairman who's currently still the chairman, uh, Magulias. Uh He and a friend of his started the organization by helping people to consolidate their funds. They have gemach a gemach there. Right? However, very, very soon after that, a couple of years after, maximum two years after that, he, um, he, he noticed something very unsurprising. And that was that the people who they consolidated all their, their debt and had a plan, everything was, you know, all hunky dory, as they say in, the, in England, everything was fine. A year or two later, they were coming back for more money. So what do you mean? We, we, everything was sorted. That's because they were dealing with the symptom and not the cause. So practically overnight. He completely they uh, uh, stopped loan- giving out money, stopped lending people money and said, instead of giving you money and dealing with the symptom, we're going to help you manage your finances so you don't need more money and develop this whole coaching system. At the time, it was called counseling, uh, financial counselors, trained people to how to help others in terms of managing their finances, having, and we'll talk about the process soon. Um, and that's how it started all those many years ago.
0: Wow. And was this an Ericsson's role or in America? Ericsson's yeah,
1: sure is and like started it started in Israel. Yeah, we have operations in the UK and in and in, in America, but it started in Israel.
0: Where did the initial funding come from for those loans?
1: The initial funding—that's uh, a very good question. Shmuly himself had uh, people that he raised money for, and that, that I'm not so familiar with. The—that's uh, the, the, a very good question. I don't have the answer.
0: To it. Okay, because they must have started with a nice chunk of change if you're consolidating and helping people with loans. Yes, right?
1: yeah, 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 yeah a cheap yeah.
0: thing yeah. to do you Know,
1: yeah, absolutely.
0: I know now it's just real well, the whole gamach industry is huge. You know, people are like borrowing and lending like much more so than in America, but um,
1: for better yeah, or for worse,
0: yeah, right, exactly. I mean, listen, for me, the question is I mean, it's very expensive to live as an Orthodox Jew anywhere. I know London is outrageously expensive, I know America, different cities are different. I live in Houston, which is maybe a little easier, but still. You know, Baruch Hashem, if you have a family and they go to high schools and go to yeshivas in Israel and you have a mortgage. And I mean, it's just the bottom, the bottom line is just hard. I mean, you could probably speak to this better, but if a family of, of six is making $200,000, they're probably in the highest percentile of income in America. And yet $200,000, you take out taxes, you take out tuition, you take out yantif clothing, boom, there's nothing left. So I'd love to hear more about how. To reach serenity with those type of challenges, and I imagine you've been successful, or else the organization wouldn't still be operating. So, tell us a little about the chachma, the process, and what you've learned about what you're able to do for Klal
1: Yisrael. Okay, so yeah, you're absolutely right. And what what we do is we don't do anything. So, in other words, we work with the families, uh, and we there's a our process is in three stages. We have six meetings give or take, but it's generally planned out and it's not a sort of coaching process that is an endless thing, but it's, it's hence the name Mesila, it's a path, Mesila is a path, oh, nice. there's a path there that we set you on a path to serenity and one of the things of serenity is, to, is taking control, being in control find, because financial stress is something that affects every area of a person's life. So if a person doesn't know and doesn't understand what's going on, they'll know, they'll know generally speaking, I can't seem to make ends meet or I seem to be making enough money, but it doesn't seem to be paying the bills. But they right. don't know where, they don't know how, they don't know what, they know what to do. So the first thing we do is to help people and we give them tools. So what we do do in talking about the do or don't is we give people tools that they can use Have a toolbox with which they can deal thing- with, you know, deal with things. So the first thing we do is help them um, gain awareness of the current circumstances, gain clarity, right? When you know what's going, even if it is that, you know, I now know very clearly how much my minus is at the the end of each month and how much, what I need to bridge, that you already see people just like, you know, there's a certain, you know, weight that lifted off the shoulder. At least I know what it is. I need, at least I know where. At least I need to know how much. I know, at least I know what is the figure and the, what we call the number, the number we're actually talking about. And that's very important. Once you get to that point, then we help people in terms of making changes. Okay, you're now currently here and we've got cl- a clear picture of what your current financial circumstances are, right? Financial, financial picture. And then... We help, we ask them to write a vision called a vision and price. What is your vision? Where do you want to be in three years, five years? Uh, and what is the price you're willing to pay? And don't necessarily mean a financial mean price. price. Yeah. What do you mean? Right. By that? So what, what, what is it that you're willing to sort of, you know, the cost, the cost that you're willing to bear I mean, in order are to achieve up? it? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We don't like to use the word give up necessarily, but you know, what are you going to, you know, what is the cost? What is the price that you're going to, uh, be willing to pay for, to achieve that? What is what we call, what we call sometimes the pleasure versus the pain? Right. There's the pleasure that you want. What is the pain that you're willing to go through in order to gain to have that pleasure? And suddenly the pain it seems to be worthwhile because if it's for the purposes of a pleasure, then you can you can withstand it. But but there has to be a, a, a purpose for it. And that's a bridge. You can then say, okay, fine. You're here now, you want to be there. It's like the navigation system, right? So you we you know in order to get somewhere, you have to know your location, you put in your destination. Once you go got those two clearly, you can navigate a path. Then that's we'll the change process. We have paths of change. And we we coach the families to work through what are the changes that need to be done. And they choose. And we talk through the different options, you know, generally broken down to increasing income or reducing expenses. There's different things within that. There could be a combination of the two. They choose. They would like to do it. I think I can increase my income this. I think I can reduce my expenses that way. And then we work through with them. Okay, What does it look like? And we we coach them. What steps need to be taken? How are you going to do it? And, you know, sometimes once they go, they do that with us then they'll say, oh, okay, maybe no, that's not the right path. Let's look at the different. Because when you're suddenly talking it through with somebody, sometimes it's easy to, or easy, I wouldn't say easy. It's not fair to say easy. Sometimes it's easy to sit and say, I'll do X, because that sounds like the obvious thing to do. But once you have to talk through what that means in practice and what are the steps that need to be taken, then you think, Actually, maybe it's not so practical. Maybe I should look at a different option. Mm. And then you look through a different option and then they come together. This is the couple because we meet with the couples, unless, of course, it's a single person. But if they're married, we meet with the couples. Don't meet with them. Otherwise, it doesn't work. And then they choose what path for change and how they're going to implement it. And they start making the changes. And then changes are incredible because once they've got a clear picture, you're motivated. Now they're determined. They know where, you know what they want to do. Can make changes in your circumstances. And there's another. And then we look at the maintenance, which is the uh, long term. Okay, now you've got a plan. What happens? You know, life doesn't stay static. What tools can you use to be able to work on on you know budget things on cash flow? Notice that I haven't used the word budget yet. So because we that's for us a it's at the end of the process and b it's a tool the b word as we call it is simply a tool it's not what we do we don't it's not budget it's not the big thing it's a simply a tool within a whole process of a much bigger process of understanding what's going on so we give them tools to be able to maintain things and how to adapt when when circumstances change what do you do and that's 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 our process
0: beautiful and do you keep stats on success or long term sure. success
1: sure sure so yeah yeah absolutely. About? So, and um, on the, on the longer we do, we have feedback. So we have somebody that's in touch with the family after every third meeting, at the end of the process, and after a year. Um, and we, uh, you see how they're doing, how they're managing to maintain it. And people, in the main, do maintain it, and they uh, they, really? they uh, keep to the tools. Sure, yeah, absolutely, they do maintain it. And the stats that we do have is um, it, well, there's an incredible stat that, that that every single family that comes to Masilla is better off after the end of the process. There's no family that's not better off if they've completed the process. The extent to which they're better off depends on the work they've done and they're, you know, they, 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 but everybody, if they've completed the process, is better off. We we have significant stats in terms of uh, data and, and financial data on averages around the states of per month, how much better off. And we're talking about in the thousands. So if you take like, the, recently I looked it up because somebody from New Jersey was in touch with me, a, like a chassid organization. We have collaborations with chassid organizations who will send families to us to help them, to coach them. You know, what's. so you know, for example, the New Jersey area is only like 2500 on average. Okay, you've got some that's more, some that's less, but $2,500 per month better off a family is going to be wow. um, from the process. Wow. So, you know, we're talking about significant differences that they, you know, that's that are really made. Amazing. Yeah.
0: Do you, do you yeah. notice any trends in America? Per, you know, I know I'm in America, so, you know, although our, in, our listeners are international, but uh, let's focus on America for a second. Do you, do you notice any trends in terms of like places of weakness that Americans are spending money or people in general are spending money and they might not be aware of how significant that is?
1: That's a, that's a, very, that's a fantastic question. Think about that. The trend of areas of expenditure. Areas of expenditure. You know, like
0: when you meet with people, you're like, oh, yeah, that gets them every time. You know? <laughs> or do you say most people are, are like most expenditures that people have in a family are reasonable and understandable, and it's just a question of,
1: you know, I see. Reasonable and understandable is very relative. That, yes. That's what part of the reason why I'm, 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 I'm sort of having a difficulty to answer your question because it's we, we're we're about coaching and we're about it's What the decisions and the choices that you make, we empower you to make your own decisions and choices. And reasonable and understandable is completely relative. So yes, it's true. Almost every single time, a family was so, so. Besides directing all the operations, I'm a, I'm a, a coach. I started as being a coach and I continue to be an active coach. A because the Sipbook is an incredible, the opportunity to really change people's life is incredible. And B, I never want to lose sight of, you know, what it is on the ground if I'm actually running the operations. But you know, I, I certainly in my experience, the families I sit with, at some point they'll say, What is the average that people spend in this category? Yeah. It's usually category that they think they're spent too spending too much. Like, what should I be spending? They'll say, right. What should I be spending? Right. So that's for- Determine you now what is the you know what what do what do people generally well there's so many different factors in terms of size of the family location requirement upbringings you know we deal with upbringing a lot we deal with sort of you know em, you know emotion what what was the life we we discuss what was finances in your home as you grew up and and almost always that comes into play later when it comes to the change stage but you know either a husband or wife will say now I understand why I really struggle with this or I really struggle with that I never really appreciate it and so. You know, it's all relative. But one thing, when you did, you did, um, uh, when you said to me, that always gets them. Then something did come into my mind. But I will tell you one thing that will get almost you know, lots and lots of families is the annual versus the monthly expenses. They'll say, I don't understand. I, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm bringing in twenty thousand dollars a month, for argument's sake, glitting round numbers, and my expenses are about, you know, twenty thousand dollars a month. But, I, but I can't seem to have, have enough money. It doesn't seem to work. I still, don't. it seems it should add up, but it doesn't add up. But what they're looking at is what their monthly expenses are. What they don't calculate is they've got annual expenses, they've got Pesach, and you've got you know Tishrei, and you've got summer vacations, and you've got camp, and you've got all this. So they, those correct. So they're not taking that into account. And so when that happens, what we what we help them do is look at it in two separate things, average it out, say you need. You need a certain pot of money every single month to be able to cover not just your monthly groceries, et cetera, and clothes, whatever, but also things that are going to come up as an annual expense, and then you'll be able to work it out. Now they understand why I'm in a minus, because I never really threshold what my like annual expenses are, because each time they come up, I sort of have to somehow make them work, and so I, I do, and then I carry on. So that gets a lot of families, and that's very helpful. One of the key things that, you know, when we when we do get to the end and do budget things and cash flows, it's that... Different okay. pots, the, the right. pot of the month and the annual.
0: Got it. Yeah, or the like expected, unexpected, like car right. issues or emergency things that come up where you say you know, right. that wasn't part of the husband, but you have to spend that money. So yeah. Well, what are your thoughts about tuition? I know that's like probably one of the biggest expenses for most families outside of mortgage and how tuition committees work. And, you know, if you find that it's a fair system or is it, a, is it really crippling Khal you know, do you see the tuition uh, issue as a major issue?
1: I actually, I don't know enough about it. I genuinely can't comment. I, I can, I can tell you, is we just finished before Pesach a beautiful collaboration with a scholar. If I'm allowed to give names, not meant to give names, it doesn't really matter. I'm, I'm sure I can tell you it's in New Jersey somewhere. But um, a a, a um, head of a tuition committee got in touch with us to say he's seeing the increasing amount of families asking for subsidies. And, and reductions, and he's saying we've got to be able to help these families somehow and so he turned to us and said, can we help them and we put on a talk at the school, it was a collaboration between the school a local Chesed organisation and Masila, we sent in a, a speaker to talk about you know, managing your finances and, and so on and we, uh, a number of, and we gave a, a the Chesed organisation subsidised families who would sign up from that event, and we had a number of families sign up who are currently going through the process from that event, parents in the school, this was, it was done for the parent body. Dude. Parents are well, now going through coaching, but will be, you know, better off because of that process. This was a, a first—a a, club. You know, we have collaborations just with custom organizations. That, you know, all over the states we have that. But this was a school that got in touch with us because he was seeing this, and that—that uh, that was actually very special.
0: That's amazing. That's really yeah. amazing. Yeah. Is it, You mentioned just briefly. Is there a cost to the part to, to people to participate? Yes.
1: Yeah, so we used to be a voluntary organisation. Um, we we changed quite a number of years ago. Um, the impact on the, in terms of the impact and the success, was significant because there's a there's a greater accountability, um, a greater commitment. So there is a cost. We charge the families and we pay the coaches. Yeah,
0: got it. Um, very nice. And would you say your numbers are growing in terms of?
1: Yes. How to, okay. That's, yes. Um,
0: yeah. All right. Let's talk a little about the curriculum in the schools. Yeah. So that we talked until now about coaching for families and parents and uh, what's involved in that. Uh, but you've also had you also have developed a curriculum. Do you know how that curriculum developed and who right? Who so yeah, it? So it
1: developed it developed from the coaching. So it developed from coaching because that at some point quite early on, 20 years ago. Um, not not quite 20, but somewhere somewhere like 2006. Just, uh, um, they. They recognise, Rishmoli and recognise that we're dealing with, you know, the end. We want to deal with a a prevention, so not just a cure, but we want to go into prevention. And so, whereas we're getting families, even if they're young couple, we do newlywed, we do, you know, chassan classes. It, you know, we have a colour a, a booklet for colour teachers that can, can to incorporate this. But it's still very often at this point too late. How can we edu, help educate the younger generation so that they either don't get into that situation in the first place if it could have been avoided just with educating them, or if it couldn't be avoided, then how can we, how can they know that I can do something about it and reach out to us? And so they developed a high school curriculum from that to say, let's, yeah, let's move into prevention. And the, the, the curriculum is unique in two ways. First of all, it's unique because it didn't exist. At, at, nowadays there are others, but in those days, nothing existed for the Jewish community. No financial literacy curriculums out there. Anybody can do that, But there's two elements to it. Number one, it's has it's from a Torah perspective, so it's based on values, Torah values. So merged within the curriculum is Torah values to the extent that in certain states they won't uh, they won't um, you can't apply for uh, funding because of its religious content. Which is the irony, you know, that's Dafka, our, our uniqueness is unfortunately what means that certain schools can't afford to buy it because they, they their, their, local, their state won't fund it because it's got religious content. Okay. So we're working on a system to deal with that and to have separate ways, of, you know, separate options. But that, that's something for us that was really, really important. Yeah. You know, this comes from a Torah perspective. So when we teach alongside teaching the financial literacy generally, and then we actually teach what does Torah, you know, what does the, it's not about, it's not Hashkafa in terms of different, whatever. You you get the picture. The other element of it is that it deals more with behavioural finance and not just finance um, per se. So there's, there's different ways of looking at finance. So for example, it deals with needs versus wants. It it deals with how do we behave with understanding? And that's also linked to the value system. How do we behave with our our finance? What is informing our decisions and choices? It's not just about, and it's important to have, you know, what are credit cards and what are banks and what is digital, you know, and all the things that you need to know about basic literacy, financial literacy. It has that, but it has, it's more about how, do, what's our behavior with them? And that's where we also have there for the religious content, because we're saying, how do we behave? So How does Torah want us to behave within finances? So it helps us understand what we're actually doing with our finances, as well as giving real tools, um, along the way in terms of education and, and tools for budgeting.
0: Does Masila address the Hashkapha that any money you spend for Shabbos and Yantif is yeah. not included in the, in the, and what's allotted to you shana? Is that like a yeah? What, we what we we address
1: that? it if it's we address it if it's rich. We have a series of makaris for all these topics, and if the families we do address it in our education, and if families join the coaching, bring it up, then we'll share with them the makaris and say, look, now so here are the makaris. Do with it as as you wish, but you know. We have to be careful. We, ha- we do have to be careful because we, we, we don't go too deeply into the Hashkoffer because there are different Hashkoffas and, and we, we're, we we don't get too involved in it. We say there's different ways of looking at it. You know, we, we're definitely in the Heshtadlis. That doesn't mean we negate Amunah and betochen. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Of course, we that's incorporated. But we say our business is in helping people do the Heshtadlis so that way, People can, you know, turn around and dub and say, I'm, I'm doing what, you know, I'm doing what, what I, I, what I can do. You do the rest. At least we can say that with a you know, real clear conscience because we talk, our, and, then Hashem, and every time we see, every time I just finished with the family last night, every single time we see that, their Siaata their Deshma within the process just from the Shtaddlas brings the bracha. There's no question.
0: Amazing. And also, do you find that there are certain personalities that, It almost feels like, you know, some people are organized and they, they're prepared for Yonta for the list beforehand. And when they go to the supermarket, they know exactly what they're going to buy and which supermarket they buy which things. And then there are people who are loosey goosey. They don't know the difference, the money, the flying and this, you know, so much to me seems to have to do with personality also. How do
1: you incorporate that into what you do? Well, particularly when you've got a couple and you've got one is one person, the other personality is, you know, it's even, even more challenging, but, um, we do we do find that, but that doesn't necessarily. When it comes to finance, even the most organised person won't necessarily be at organised of the finance because they just don't have the education. And no, nobody really, you know, the, the previous generation, you whatever know, generation we're talking about, but you know, they didn't really, didn't at all educate either. Parents didn't educate their children's School didn't educate their students about how to how to manage your finances, how to how to work with finances, you know, how to, you know, so even the most organized Masuda person with this, so when it comes to the actual finances of it, won't necessarily have a Seder. And that's one of the first, the first things we do. So yes, those who are naturally organized will like jump at this and say, Oh, this is I, this is what I wanted. Those who are not naturally organized, it's more of a challenge. It's more of a challenge. And they say oh, this is really you no, know, it takes a lot of time. This but they see the benefit and therefore they say, okay, so yeah, this is worthwhile.
0: And going back to the curriculum, so how yeah. does it work? It's uh, like once a week for five weeks, or what does it actually look like?
1: So you'll know better than better than me. You'll know uh, as well as anybody within education that you can't be that prescriptive because each school has a different amount of time that they can allocate to it. So we have a number of curriculums. We have a high school curriculum. We have a junior high school curriculum, which is really for grades six to eight. We even have an elementary curriculum. They're memos, very cute. It's for very young children, and it it's very a lot of fun. Uh, and so within that, it's it, it's not we don't have it we have it in units because of topics, but not. But then it's, it can be broken down depending on the amount of time that a school can allocate. It can if a school can allocate allocate a session a week, you can do it in a session a week and and spend it over. If you can allocate less, then you'll choose you know what of it how much of it because there's also assignments and and so on. We have also four different options of uh, the curriculum, which is the same curriculum. So we have a high school curriculum, for example, and then we have the Masifta edition because that's for Masifta. So the language is slightly different. It's the same curriculum, but it's just presented in a different way. Cool. We have the Sephardic version. That's the accent. It's all exactly the same curriculum, but the pronunciations are for the Sephardic community. And then we have the custom version, um, which is for those who, you know, want certain things not included in the curriculum at all. We'll do a custom version as well. So it's, you know, we, we have to, recognize that there's lots of different schools that, wow. that besides for the amount of time there's also just the profile of the school right. that they'll have different needs um, and now we're working on curriculum develop uh, developing a whole new aspect of the curriculum which is an interactive version but not but but that's not at the expense of the workbook version because there are certain schools where that's they're not interested in that at all there's other schools where I give them an interactive version an option they would jump at that so right. you know we want to be able to give that option as well
0: wow that's really amazing Have you have any uh, askamas from Gedolim? Have you gone around? Yes,
1: yes, yes, yes. Who are some of the Gedolim
0: that are are enthusiastic about it?
1: Okay, so I'd have to bring up my sheet. Um, I don't remember offhand. I don't remember offhand. Um, But at the time when we when when, you know when I say at the time, there was different. There's different stages that it went through. Different Gedolim. There was the earliest time it was 2012. Then the most recent was 2016. Um, and at each stage, there was different different Godolium that were uh, that were approached, and we've got the whole. If anybody would like, they're happy, you know. I'm welcome, happy for them to get in touch with me. They're all gadolim that are recognised from lots of different groups.
0: Got it. And do you have any opposition? Has there been any criticism or pushback from what you're trying to do?
1: What's there to oppose?
0: You'd be surprised. <laughs> I I know, I'm teasing. are I'm very teasing. creative. I'm teasing. Oh,
1: okay, no, not as far as I'm aware. On the- the need is tremendously great. The need is increasing, unfortunately. But the need in education is not an unfortunate thing, meaning the coaching is in, it's unfortunate. But the need in education, that's not unfortunate. There's a need for that. That's the world that we live in. And, you know, we have we have an answer to those who want to help educate the, the younger generation.
0: Would you say your most of your work is in our or it's just
1: equal all over the place? It, we have Hebrew operations, English operations. On the English operations, most of the work is in in America and the USA. Right. But on the Hebrew operations, obviously, it's only in an Israel, and so that's, that's. Are they equal size know, the two operations? Uh, no, actually, no. It's Israel is slightly bigger. So we have, started, and made, made, that's where it's correct. That's where it started. And also, as you said in the beginning, the the, the culture is one that the Gemach system and the Chesed organizations. Are, not there aren't Chesed organizations in America, of course there are, but they're just the culture of you know what happens. So right. we have a number of significant collaborations with a number of very large Hasidic Chesed organizations who refer hundreds of families to us a year, and that that bumps up the number significantly.
0: Wonderful. Is there anything else that we didn't cover about Masila that you want to make sure that we
1: touch upon? So the other thing, I guess, is just to reinforce that we train our own coaches and we have an online course as well so that anybody who wants to uh, train can do it at their own pace online. Um, that's uh, been very helpful. That happened during Corona and that's, you know, kept us since then. We can, do, in fact, so much so that we now don't do in, in Israel, we do in-person training, but internationally we don't do in-person training. It doesn't seem to be the need. People much prefer to do it, you know, at their own pace themselves so that's that that's also part of what we do is actually the actual coach training a number of a number of whom don't work don't necessarily work for us they will they there'll will be coaches in other areas there will be you know um there'll be sean and bias coaches there will be coaches in all sorts of areas but they want they want this as a complement to what they do because everybody recognizes that as I, as I mentioned earlier you know that the financial stress impact on everything and that's why the concept of the education is if we can already at the earlier stage give them that knowledge and that, the, you know, give them the skills and the knowledge to be able to address these things, it impacts on their shana bias, it impacts on their marriage in a positive way because they can discuss these things in a healthy 100%. way. They know what to address and how to address it. So that's uh, that's very important. Awesome.
0: All right. Well, thank you. This is so great meeting you and hearing about what you're doing. How do people find
1: out more? If, if someone wanted to reach out, what's the website or email? So, yeah. So thank you for the opportunity. Really, thank you. Uh, www.mesila.org. That's probably the simplest uh, way to, to publicize it. They can go to our website. All the information is there for America, for Israel, for wherever you are. You can contact us by there. All the information about the coaching, the different options of coaching, and what you do, what we do and how we do it and so on. It's all on our website, Masilla.org. M-E-S-I-L-A, one S, one L.
0: Okay, Rabbi Yadz, thank you so much. Wishing you well, and hatzlacha with all of your doing. And to you. Thank you. And to
1: you. Hatzlacha Rabba, thank you.
0: It could be I say this, after every episode, I certainly feel it. It is so amazing to meet so many different individuals who take their passion, their skills, their interests to help claw Yisrael. Here's Rabbi odds, who could do anything, Zerov. and he decided, here's an area that I feel I can make a big difference in. and as you heard, he is. He's running the English division, the English-speaking division of this organization, helping Jews with such a critical and essential element of their ability to function. Meeting him and interacting with him was so wonderful. And I hope you heard that the uh, statistic he mentioned is that every person who works with Mesila walks away improved, more financially stable, with a sense of control, and possibly even has more money to spend on the important things in their lives. So with a track record like that, I'm sure many of our listeners are wondering, how do I reach out to them and how does it work? So go to the website, the www.mesila.org, and you could uh, learn more about it yourself. And the Mirza Hashem, our children, through their curriculum, will not come to a place of great stress, but would go into their adult lives with the skills, knowledge, and ability to navigate this very difficult aspect of modern Jewish living with the principles that they share and therefore do it in a less stressful way. Thank you to all of our listeners. Thank you to everybody who shares us. As you know, that's such an important part of growing a podcast. Thank you to those of you who have rated us. If you have any questions, comments, or a guest idea, please send an email to chinochtodaypodcast at gmail.com. That's chinochtodaypodcast at gmail.com. This is Yerachmiel Garfield wishing you a wonderful day.